Well, thank you so much, guys. I want to thank you and thank our praise team and everyone, really, that's uh, helping us put this uh, on YouTube and Facebook Live this morning. I thank all of our sound and our video people, and they're doing a great job, and I appreciate their, their help in coming to make sure that we keep the gospel above all. And so that's what we want to do here at Mountain View. If you, if you uh, have your Bibles close by, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, we want to look at, um, at one verse in 1 Peter 5, and we'll, uh, I'll share several verses with you uh, before we're finished. But um, I'd not intended to preach a sermon until yesterday, and I had something else in mind, but God changed my mind uh, yesterday, and so I even told uh, my son Cal, I said, uh, he asked me what I was going to be preaching on, I told him, and so we were pretty well content with that, but then the Lord changed my mind, and so this morning I want to share a sermon entitled, Never Give Up. Never Give Up, First Peter chapter 5, and we want to look at one verse of Scripture here as our text. God's Word says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to, we've had this morning to come and worship you and praise songs and hymns and have an opportunity to pray, and now we have an opportunity to open your word. Help us to remember that your word is divinely inspired, it's inerrant, it's without error. Lord, we can uh, take the promises of, of your word, the book, and know that they're faithful and they're true and they're all going to come about. Thank you for this passage this morning and allowing us to know that whatever trouble we have, whatever tests we're going through, trials we have, temptations we might have, we can bring everything to you, and Lord, you will take care of those for us. Forgive me when I fail you. Help me as I share your word this morning, and I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, obviously, there's a number of people who are having a very difficult time due to the effects of the coronavirus. Some have been laid off from their work. Some have even uh, lost their jobs. Some businesses have closed. Many are... And individuals and families are in need of just daily and monthly expenses. They need food. They need uh, rent, money for rent, money for their mortgages and, and various loans, perhaps, that they have. Um, I was listening to the news early this morning, and on the news, um, figures were given that we have had 1.5 million cases of the um, COVID-19 virus in the United States with 65,000 deaths. 1.5 million cases with 65,000 deaths. 
Compared worldwide, there's been 3.3 million cases worldwide of this virus with 241,000 deaths. So many people. So many are wondering today, how can I keep going? Um, how can I go on? How can I continue my life? Well, God has the answer to your question and um, he simply tells us in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, uh, cast all your cares or your care upon him because he cares for you. And so when we turn to him, we'll discover that he's right beside us and he's ready to move in on our behalf. But you have to turn to him. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Now the NIV translation says, cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Can you imagine all the cares, the anxiety that the early believers were going through when Peter wrote these words? They were hated, they were hunted, they were hurt physically and emotionally by this terrible tyrant. But Peter uses the word, if you'll notice, cast. That word means to roll. Roll your trouble, your trials, your anxiety over onto God. And so the word cast is used only one other place in God's Word, in the New Testament. Uh, Luke chapter 19, Jesus was about to make his final journey into Jerusalem and he sent his disciples to a certain place to find a, a young colt, a coat, a young donkey for him to ride into Jerusalem on. In Luke chapter 19, 35, the scripture says they cast their own garments on the back of a coat and they made a saddle for Jesus to ride. And they did that because it just, seemed to be the obvious thing for them to do. So therefore, the instructions from Peter to all of us who are struggling is to cast, to roll all of your struggles. The loss of a job, the closing of your business, your monthly financial needs, your, the sickness of a loved one, the death of a loved one. The problems with a relationship, the problems with a child, the problems with a spouse. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever your care is, your anxiety is, your fear, your discouragement, roll all of your feelings over onto Jesus. Now why is that? Because He cares for you. Now if you'll notice verse 7, cast all of your care... There's no S in the English on that word because in the Greek that word is uh, singular. I'm sorry, it's plural. There's no S, but it's plural. thought that was kind of strange. So he uses the Greek word for care, and the Greek word is plural. So casting all of your care upon him. Jesus is saying, cast anything and everything upon me. So the point is, roll over onto him, Jesus, anything and everything that causes anxiety and fear and discouragement and heartache. 
Now, why? Because he cares for you. Now, the word cares in English has an S, but in the Greek, the Greek word used is singular. That's strange. The first care is plural, meaning cast everything, anything, onto Jesus, for he cares for you, and that word in the Greek is singular. The point is, God has only one care, and that care is us. Peter is saying, let Jesus bear it all because you are his only care. You say, well, Brother Sammy, doesn't Jesus care about the earth? Sure he does. Doesn't Jesus care about ecology? He does. Doesn't Jesus care about animals? He does. But remember this. He didn't die for them. He died for you, and he died for me. Basically, he has one major care, and that's us. So you can't give up. As a believer, you can't give up. Never give up. Why is that? First, Jesus cares for you. So whatever you're going through, put your trust in Him. Put your all in Him. Put your trust in Him. Why is that? Because you are the only thing that He really cares about. Cast your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And so we can't give up. We should never give up. Why? Because Jesus cares for us. Number two, never give up because there's hope in a hopeless time. You see, we live in a period of time where so many in our world believe there is no hope. There's no hope. In 1 Kings chapter 18, there was a man that you remember, and his name is Elijah. And Elijah went up to a mountain, Mount Carmel. And Elijah was going to have a contest between himself, which one man of God, against 450 prophets of Baal, uh, a false god. And so you have a man of God going against 450 prophets of a false god. And so there was a showdown. Well, why was there a showdown? Well, because uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal were wanting to prove which one of the gods were the true god, or was the true god. And so on that day, as uh, Elijah met with the prophets of Baal, God came down in a mighty way, showed himself in a mighty way, and proved that he was the one and only true God. Now, you can read the full account in 1 Kings chapter 18. But in 1 Kings 18 verse 40, after this showdown, Elijah killed all the 450 prophets of Baal. He slew those prophets. Well, when he did that, that angered the wicked queen Jezebel. And so if you would, look at 1 Kings chapter 19 and look at verse 1 and 2. Ahab, that is the king, as Jezebel's husband. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets 
with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. And so after Elijah had slew the prophets of Baal, it angered Queen Jezebel. Those were her prophets. Baal was her god. And so she gave this warning. She gave this uh, she sent a message to Elijah that uh, she was going to kill him like he did the pro her prophets, the prophets of Baal. And so what did Elijah do? Well, verse 9 in 1 Kings 19 says, Elijah went and he hid in a cave. He went out and hid in a cave. Verse 9 in chapter 19 of 1 Kings, And there he went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So here's this brave man, Elijah, a man of God, slew 450 prophets. You, you know, not by himself. God had to do that through him. And then he runs and he hides in a cave. And so my question was to myself, what brought Elijah from the point of victory to a point of despair where he would go and hide in a cave? Well, I realize the very same thing. It brings us from a point of victory to a point of despair. Instead of trusting the one who had performed several miracles in his life already, he began to look at his circumstances at this time with Jezebel and he believed the lie of Jezebel. But God didn't allow him to remain in the cave. In chapter 19, 1 Kings 19, uh, verse, uh, verse 9, the scripture says, and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 10, he said, I, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken the covenant, tore down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord will pass by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. And so it was that Elijah heard it, and he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And so God would not allow him to remain in the cave. God sends him out of the cave and told him to wait for his voice. And he sends a wind, there's no voice. He sends an earthquake, and there's no voice. He sends a fire, and there's no voice. But in verse 12... God came in a still, small voice, meaning a whisper. And so the point is simply this. When the prophet became still, and he, when he became ready to listen, God spoke to him and guided him. Man, what a lesson it, it is for us. When we're fearful and afraid, we need to just be still and listen for the voice of God. And He'll come to us and He'll direct us and He'll tell us what we need to do. And so you may be afraid, you may be fearful, you may be filled with all types of anxiety. And you've decided perhaps to find your cave somewhere and to take cover and to give up. 
I mean, you've pulled away maybe from your family. You've pulled away from your work associates. You're just kind of a loner at work and at school. You've even perhaps quit church. You don't want to go to church because of all of this fear, perhaps, for some reason in your life and disappointment and discouragement. Why is that? Because you've believed the lie of the devil. The devil, remember, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And he'll say to you, you know, you're no good and God's not going to forgive you for that and there's no hope and you might as well for, uh, to give up and you know, you're just a lost cause. And so you need to stop listening to the devil whose whole purpose is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's his purpose for your life and my life. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so if you're hiding in a cave, if you're in the house hiding simply because you're fearful and afraid, then you need to stop listening to the devil and start remembering your past miracles and your answered prayers because God knows where you are and he knows how to find you. But he knows the hope you need, and he'll help you, and he'll guide you back home if you'll just stop, be quiet, and listen for his still small voice. So don't give up. Never give up, because Jesus cares for you, and there's hope in hopeless times. Elijah discovered it, and you can discover it also. But third, I'm going to end with this. I'm going to share four principles to follow to resist the temptation to give up. Now, you may be thinking, you know, I think I'm just going to give up on everything. You know, we're told that uh, uh, during this period of time, there's so many people that, uh, you know, depression is up, anxiety is up, suicide rates are up. But let me share four principles. If you'll follow these, you'll resist the temptation to give up. Number one, Stop focusing on your circumstances and begin to focus on the promises of God. Stop focusing on your circumstances, begin to focus on the promises of God. You remember Matthew 14? It records how Peter walked on the water. Peter sees Jesus and he's afar off. And, and Peter spoke up and he says, Lord, if you'll command me, I can come to you. And Jesus, I can come to you on the water. And Jesus said, well, come. And, and so after that command, Peter stepped out on the water and he began to walk uh, to Jesus. And you know the rest of the story. About halfway Jesus uh, to Jesus, Peter began to notice the wind and the waves and those things that were around him. And all of a sudden he began to sink. And Jesus reached out and saved him. And Matthew 14, 31, he says, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt or why do you doubt? And Jesus was saying, you know, you were doing really good. You were doing real good until you took your eyes off me. And so you've taken your eyes off Jesus, period. You have to be careful because you'll never give up. You will never give up if you keep your eyes on Jesus. So to resist the temptation to give up, stop focusing on your circumstance, begin to focus on the promises of God, keep your eyes on Jesus. Number two, to resist temptation to give up, be willing to make a commitment not to give up. Be willing to make a commitment not to give up. 
You know, there's, there's only one other person who suffered more than Job, and that was Jesus. Job was a good man, and Satan knew it. He knew Job, and he knew that, that Job would, would uh, pass the test. He knew that Job would pass the test. But anyway, Satan went to God, and he said, Listen, have you considered my man Job? God asked Satan. Satan said, Yes, he's just serving you for what he can get out of you. And he said, Listen, you, I'll permit you to do anything except take his life. And when the misery got so bad that it seemed as though that Job couldn't, uh, couldn't go any further, he just simply said this in Job 13, 5. He said, Though he slay me, I will still trust in him. I still hope in him. So the point being, Job made a commitment not to give up on God. And we have to do that. The disciples made that commitment. You remember after the crucifixion, the disciples were fearful and they were discouraged and they returned to their old jobs. And when Jesus found them, they were, they were mending their net. But weeks before... They were disciples following him, listening to his teaching, being trained. And suddenly their world just fell apart. And they wanted to give up. But Jesus came to them. And he comes to us when we feel lonely and rejected and defeated and sorrowful and depressed. He comes to us. But when his disciples realized that nothing had changed and Jesus was still the same Jesus, they made a commitment. And they never drifted from that commitment again. Every one of the disciples died a martyr's death except John. And he was exiled to Patmos, there where he died. So the point is to resist the temptation to give up, be willing to make a commitment not to give up. I'm not going to give up. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to stay focused on Jesus. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to make a commitment not to give up. And number three, jot this down. Claim your position in Christ. First Peter says, cast all of your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Jesus loves you regardless of of your circumstances. He loves you. Jesus is saying, I've wrapped my arms around you, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to see you through whatever you're going through. You know, recently, we remembered the tornadoes of April the 27th, 2011. It was a terrible time for so many people. But you know, it was a terrible time for individuals, but also of us as a church. But you know, God saw us through that. And Jesus says, I'll be with you in sickness and grief and financial problems and, and uh, when children disappoint you and when your spouse walks away, I'm going to be with you. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And in the Greek, there's a double negative there which is really saying, Jesus is saying, in his word, I will never, no, never leave you. So the point is, I'll protect and care for you forever. You're all that I care about. 
So claim your position in Christ. Make a commitment not to give up. Stop focusing on your circumstances and look to Jesus. And number four, when you feel tempted to quit, just cry out to God. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, and I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. Listen to God's Word. God's Word says, The poor man crieth out, and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. You know, there have been times that, that I didn't know what to do in my life. I didn't know, there have been times I didn't know what to do as a pastor of a church. And the only thing I could do was to stand on the word of God and to cry out to God. And each time God would answer my prayer, and he would tell me what I needed to do, show me what direction I needed to take. Every time I'd cry out in desperation and dependency, God responds to my plea, and he provides all that I need. You cannot give up. You can never give up. Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of England, he did, you know, he did poor in school. He was the bottom third in his class. He showed just very little potential, stood only five foot, five inches tall. But instead of giving up, he just kept on going forward. And he graduated from a private school. He went to college, and then he went to military school. He became prime minister of England. He went back to his old school to speak. And he got up to speak, and he said this. He said, gentlemen, never give up. Never give up. Never, never, never give up. Listen, friend, there is never a time that God gives up on us. And we should never give up on God. Why? God cares for us. There's hope in hopeless times. There's four principles that we can follow to resist the temptation to give up. Stop focusing on our circumstance. Focus on God. Be willing to make a commitment. Claim our position in Christ, that Christ loves us regardless of our circumstance. Cry out to God in desperation and never give up. Never give up. 